0: Exodus, Exodus chapter 32, it's noon, Exodus chapter 32, and uh, why don't you stand with me for just a moment, Exodus chapter 32, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you uh, uh, respectfully if you can turn your cell phones off and, and uh, limit the... The movement, the distractions, it'll be good for everybody. Exodus chapter 32, I got one amen. Thank you, Miss Anita. Appreciate that. I know that amen. That's Miss Anita. Was I right about that? Yeah, no. uh, uh, there it is, right there. I know that's All right, Exodus chapter 32. And uh, I'm going to read uh, uh, some verses here so you understand what's going on. Exodus 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of, out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. Now let me just say this much: if you've got to make your god, it is not going to help you when you need it. Okay, and so that's where Israel is at. They, they, they. Moses, the deliverer, brought them out of Egypt. You say, well, where's Moses at in the story? He's on top of a mountain meeting with God. And he's been there. And by the way, he told them that that's where he was going before he went. He talked to them a number of times, and they just kind of got a little bit, I don't know, a little antsy, a little bit like, well, it's been a while, and we can't see God, and we can't see the man that God sent us, so let's just make a God. And that's where you're at in Exodus 32. I won't read the whole chapter, but if you read verses 2 and 3 and 4, you know what happens? Aaron says, okay, guys, bring me your earrings. We're going to melt it. I'm going to fashion it, and we're going to make a beautiful golden calf. Look, if you would, at verse number 6. They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings to what? To this idol and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Adults like to play too, don't they? And uh, you see what happens? Well, look at verse 7, 8, 9, 10. I'm not going to read all of them. The Lord talks to Moses. He, goes, he says, get down. Verse 7, we're going to read because I like this. You parents, pay attention to this verse right now. When your kid is misbehaving, you know what you say to your, 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 your spouse? Your child. Can I get a witness? Amen. Your child is doing this. So look at what God does to Moses. Go get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way, which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it. And they said, these be thy gods. And so God's catching Moses up. And then God goes, hey, Moses, I'm just going to wipe them all out. And God goes, no, Lord, don't do that. The Egyptians are going to say that their God wasn't powerful enough. Lord, don't do that, please. And Moses gets to change the mind of God because he intercedes for God's people. But you know what's funny about that? God was upset. Moses was like, no, Lord, don't do it. Look what, happened with, what happens when Moses sees for himself what's going on. Look down at verse number 19. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp, but he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. You may not be familiar with Elizabeth in English, but you know he ain't happy right there. All right? He is not happy. He gets mad and he casts the table out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Isn't it funny that we ask God not to get angry, and we get angry ourselves? (laughs) The Bible says here in verse 20, He took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strad it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot, thou knowest the people. But they are set on mischief. He doesn't want to take responsibility. For they said unto me, make us gods. It's kind of like, well, if your friends say you're going to jump off a bridge, would you do it? Kind of the thing you're thinking to ask Aaron right there. He's like, the people said, make us gods. And so I did. Look what it says here in verse 24. I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. They gave it me. And then I cast it in the fire and poof. In the original Hebrew, it says poof. And poof, there came out this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, see, idolatry brings certain things associated with it. And the worship of self, because that's really what idolatry is, it's self-worship. It brings some things with it that are not pleasing to God. The people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who? Who is on the Lord's side? You know what you want to understand today? The Lord's drawn a line in the sand. He's going to ask you, who's on my side? Who's on the Lord's side? And he says this, let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gather themselves together unto him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. and Ask God's blessing on the word one more time. Brother uh, Joe Stevens, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing on this. Our mind mm. other than being here in this moment, hearing what you have to say to us. And uh Father, thank you so much for everything this church is doing for you. I pray that it would continue, and Lord, I pray that we would uh humble ourselves and get in line with where we need to be. Mm. And Father, I thank you so much for everything you've done for us and for saving us. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just take you back mentally the picture, guys. Is Moses is gone for a couple weeks, he's the one that brought them out of Egypt and These people are kind of getting a little restful, a little restless, a little antsy, and they're kind of looking around going, Well, what are we going to do from here? Where do we go from here at this point? And they're looking at, and the only thing that they know about God is through somebody else. Let me just say this when the only part of God that you know is through somebody else, you're in trouble. Because the people of Israel, all that they knew about God was whatever Moses told them. You need to have your own walk with God because when hard times come, and they will, you're going to jet and you're going to start saying, you know what, I need a different God now. And by the way, God ain't Amazon. You don't order a different God every week, all right? You, you have one God to worship, and just because he doesn't work on your timetable doesn't mean he's not still God. The, the people of Israel, just like us, I, I think this, I think sometimes the nation of Israel gets a lot of blame and we forget that we are just like them, meaning we are human, And you know what human beings like? They like to see, they like to worship something that they can see. They can't see the God of Israel. Now they can't see their leader and they're going, okay, we're going to make us our own God. It's a dangerous place to be going. Well, I would never make an idol. I would, listen, the reason people do that is because they want to worship something that gives them something in return. Do not treat God like a genie in the lamp. Do not say, God, I'll serve you when? uh, Lord, I I want my three wishes and I want them now. That's what they were doing. And and you need to understand that Moses is a great picture of someone else in this passage. Moses says, hey, I'm going up, but I'm going to come back. Remember somebody else in history doing that, guys? In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Aren't you glad that he did that? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go again, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I am thankful that when my Savior left this planet, he did not say, figure it out. You know what he said? Hey, I'm coming back. You are in a church that believes that someday, thank God, that sky's going to open up, and you're going to hear, Joe Stevens, come up hither. And Joe's going to go, they're calling me. The Lord's calling me. And I'm going to go, no, he's not. It was Adrian Dominguez that he was calling. Because he calls his sheep by name, amen? amen? And someday he's coming back. You know what happens, though? Because he's not here right now, we start to try to take matters in our own hands and worship things that we can see right. instead of waiting on him. See, what did Moses do? Moses told them, I'm going up, but I'm going to come down. You know what you, know what you learn? In physics, what goes up must come down. And Jesus said, "I'm going up, but I'll be coming down in just a couple, couple days." You go, "Well, it's been a lot longer than a couple of days." A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's been a short time for Him, but He's coming back. And let me tell you something: there are moments. My kids love me; they love me to death. But you know what? Uh, there are moments that they're not exactly excited when Dad comes home. Can I get a witness, parents? Man, I tell you what, the Bible says looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way. He says, look, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Henceforth, is it up for me a crown of righteousness that the the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If you want to be ready for him to come back, you have to act like he never left. You see, Moses left, and they said, "Well, the part, let's go party time, right?" The man of God ain't here anymore, and we don't have to serve God. They had it all backwards. Instead of saying, "This is our chance," they could have said, "This is our chance to serve God by faith when we can't see Him." This is our chance right now. One day, a little girl after church, hearing a message about Jesus coming back, she quizzed her mom. You know, you ever get that from your kids' parents on the way home from church? Pastor preaches on anger and how you shouldn't say things. Mommy, did you listen to what the preacher said? <laughs> and you know why they're asking that, you know? Oh, well, yeah, honey, daddy, mommy's always, you know, mommy never yells. I hear you yell at daddy. Shut up. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like kids like to quiz their parents after the church, and this girl hears this message about Jesus coming back. And she goes, Mommy, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Yes. Mommy, do you think he can come back today? Yes. Mommy, do you think you come back like, like now? Yes. Mommy, can you get my hair ready? That's <laughs> sweet. But there's a kid with childlike innocence going, if he's going to come back and he would come back right now, I want to be ready for it. How about you? Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair, but Christ will soon appear. Look, don't raise your hand, but how many of you came to church and are like, num, 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 num. traffic, Mum, num, num, num. I don't feel good. Mum, num, num, num. Right? And then you start hearing the music and you're like, Lord's like smack, smack, smack. Hey, this ain't all there is to it. I'm coming back. Where I go, I prepare a place for you and I will come again so I can receive you unto myself. And you're like, okay, I get it. And about halfway through the song service, you're like, man, that's right. He is coming back. I should be excited about that, more so than the Broncos or the Cowboys or any other game that's going on this week or next week. The Lord is coming back. Yeah. And if he is going to come back, I want to be ready for him. Yeah. Listen, let me tell you something. You ladies on your waiting day, oh, my goodness. Man, you think about that from the time you're about this high. You're thinking about what dress and, and what the cake's going to look like. And and the guy that's there is barely uh, cognizant of the fact that there's anyone else there the woman's been playing this since she was five years old the guy's like shows up and he's like what do i got to do just say i do and you'll be out of here right that's pretty much it but you ladies i mean you plan that day since you were real little you know why that day matters to you that day means something to you let me tell you something there's coming a day when jesus christ is coming back and that day going mean more to you than any other day that you've ever experienced on this planet and, and I want you to understand this right now, that Moses went up on that mountain and he gave them some instruction. It wasn't like they're like, what do we do now? He had literally given them instruction before he left. Uh, look with me at Luke chapter 19. The Lord has given you some instruction as well. Look at Luke chapter 19. You have not been left here without instruction. The Lord gave you something very specific and, and just as Moses went up and came back, uh, Jesus Christ went up and he's going to come back, or else he's a liar. That's it. You can't have it both ways. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I I don't believe he's coming back. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says there will be those who scoffed in the last days, and I don't want to be a scoffer. Now listen, they've been saying that for hundreds of years. He's coming back. Let me ask you this. Has God ever lied to us before? If God didn't lie about your salvation of your soul and God didn't lie about your marriage and how to have a righteous marriage. Now listen, just because you don't do it like he said it doesn't mean he's at fault for your marriage. Okay? He gave you the instructions. He told you how to do it. Whether you do it or not, it's up to you. But listen, he's never given us a word, a promise that has not come true. He's not going to start lying about his return. That, that is one of the most precious promises in your Bible. Now, now look at Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, look at verse number 12. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, what? Occupy Occupy. Occupy till I come. Listen, you say, what does that mean? It doesn't just mean occupy Air." It means occupy in your occupation as a child of God, waiting for the Master to come back. So, what does that mean? That means I'm going to live a lifestyle that reflects at any moment He'll come back. So I'm not going to yell at my spouse. That'd be a terrible look when the Lord comes back. Adrian, come up hither. <laughs> look at my wife. He called me. He better call you because I'm about to kill you. I mean, mean, listen, the the things that happen in our lives would probably be different. Maybe even on the way to church this morning, you had a little bit of a heated discussion, um, uh, not an argument, but a a, a flavorful discussion on a disagreement of thought between you and someone else in the vehicle. Is that a a nice way to say that? And and, and, and maybe even on the way here, can you imagine if the Lord had come right in the middle of that, that silly conversation? Can you imagine when you're thinking about going in a certain direction in your life and, and you go, you know what? I'm going to pursue something. I know God doesn't want in my life. I know it's not right for me, but I'm going to go after it anyways. And the Lord comes back right at that moment. It's just not a good look. Can I get a witness? Yeah. You, you, ever, you ever watch these people that are, uh, oh man, I think it's hilarious, when politicians don't know a camera's on and they're doing something you know, and the camera comes back on. You know, they could be giving someone the middle finger. They could be doing all kinds of things. And, and you know, and all of a sudden the ca- they, uh, camera, camera, camera. <laughs> you say, why? You don't want to get caught doing something that doesn't reflect the nature of the character that you want the world to think you are. Right. And let me tell you something. If you're a, a born-again child of God, God made a promise to you. He said this, I'm climbing the mountain, but I'm coming back down. Amen. Now, what you do between now and the time He comes back makes a big difference in your life. And I've got a very, very quick message. I know what time it is, but I, I want to say this, point number one. The question here, who's on the Lord's side? Go back to Exodus chapter 32. It is a necessary question. You, you say, what does it mean it's necessary? Well, when Moses came down, you know what he heard? You say, what was that? He was hearing music that did not sound like glory to God. He, he, he didn't need it. And listen, Joshua was a young guy. He's like, oh, Moses, they're fighting. There's a battle. Let's grab our swords. And Moses like, chill out, chill out, stop it. They ain't fighting, man. They're partying. And, and so when Moses gets down there and he sees that they're all naked and they're dancing around, can you imagine being gone? Like, if I left the church for a month and I came back and there was a big golden cow in the middle of the church and, like, you guys are running around naked, I'd be like, what happened? It was only a month. What's wrong with you people? I mean, that's what Moses felt like, right? And so, and so there they are naked and dancing around the same. And you know what he does? He goes, I can't believe it went that fast and that hard and that bad in such a quick time. Guys, with the Lord, 2,000 years is nothing. And to see people burnt at the stake and crucified and beheaded for their faith in Christ and then look at modern Christianity today and go, what happened? He has a right to ask. Who's on the Lord's side? You know why it's a necessary question? Parents, when you come home and there's a big, something's broken, you're like, who broke this? I don't know. Right? And then the eyes get shifty. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we sending signals to each other now? Like, you know, and I've always wanted to meet this other child. I don't know because they're going to get a whooping someday for all the things that the siblings that were there didn't do. But you know what happens? You want to separate and sometimes you got you got to play police investigator, bro. You got to put one kid in one room and go, "Okay, tell me what happened." Put another kid in the other room like, "Tell me what happened." Like, "Aha!" We get and then we come together we're like suckers. <laughs> now we solve the crime, right? You got to do the time too, son, right? That's kind of how we You know, you know what Moses does. He looks, he goes, "I can't tell who's who." It's just a big mess. You know what I think the Lord sees when he looks at a lot of modern Christianity? I can't tell who's who. Who's, what, you know, like, like just kind of gauging your attitude and your spirit, I can't tell whose side are you on. When I look at how you talk to each other, I can't tell whose side you're on. When I look at where you put your money, I can't tell whose side you're on. When I look at where you put your thought and your investment and your heart, I, I can't, what are you doing with your life? Where are you right now? Some people come to church and I I just, sometimes I wish I had a mirror up here. Because you can just tell they're not here, they're here, but they're not here. And if you're doing that here, you know what that says? You definitely aren't with them out there. Who's on the Lord's? It's a necessary question. When you you come home and see the message, you go, who did this? The Lord's trying to sort this out. And Moses is going, look, someone needs to stand up. Someone needs to say something. You know why God is asking? It's not just Moses. The Lord wants to know, whose side are you on? Hey, can I say this? When you have a problem with someone else and you've got a friend, don't you like to know that friend's on your side? When it seems like the whole world's against you, don't you like having a friend that goes, I'm on your side? Do you know that the majority of mankind has always been against God? We've always been there. It's always been a small group of people. I'm not saying we're some rambos for Jesus or anything like that at all. The reality is this. Even in our church, we all struggle with saying, here's the line, I'm on God's side. But it's a necessary question. And the Lord's asking you this right now. We're going to have in a moment some folks get uh, baptized here. And we had a little bit ago parents dedicating their children. You know what they're trying to say? I I want to be on God's side. You know what some of you are going to do? You know that person getting baptized? Yeah. You know what a problem they have? Yeah. I can't believe they're getting baptized. I guess they baptize anyone around here. <laughs> they're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Do you know what they're doing, though? They're saying in so many words, I want to be on the right side. There's a line in the sand because the reality is, you know what we like to do? We like to, is that the line, Lord, can I just move it just a little, little bit? Okay, and then it's there, and the next generation comes on and they go, can I just kick it a little bit? You know, In, in, in the 60s, you go, free, you know, uh, 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 you know the, the sexual revolution is going to be great. How'd that turn out? Every generation that comes behind kicks it a little bit further, and the generation of the 60s is now going, this is a mess. You started it. You moved the line, right? And so anytime you move the line, you you just create a mess for yourself. And so the Lord goes, now quit kicking the line. Quit blurring the line. Here it is drawn. I want to know whose side are you on? Are you on God's side? Do you stand with the authority of the word of God, or do you stand with the world? When the world says, yeah, but a better way to deal with this would be dot, 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 do you take that approach or do you take God's approach? When the world says, here's what you should do with your kids and God says, here's what you should do with your kids, whose side do you take? God. When the world says, you need me time and you need to get in your man cave more often and you, lazy, you, you need to go on your girl trip and leave your house, do you ever just stop and go, hey, what does God say about all that stuff? Right. That determines what side you're on. It's a necessary question. Can I say this? It's easy Come to church and it's easy to go yeah that's right you know my job is my job is to make it a little bit harder and some of you may not like that but you know my job is to go hey you need to pick a side like like you ever heard the story of the the soldier and I think it was a Union soldier that had this bright idea about getting across a certain area in a battle. And I think it was in Pennsylvania, I could be wrong. But it was a Union soldier and, and, and he, he's on his horse and, and he says, I got this great idea. We got some Confederates that we rounded up. I'm going to take the Confederates coat and I'm going to keep my Union pants. And that way they won't shoot at me because they won't know what side I'm on. Right, yeah. You know what he had? He had Confederate bullets in his pants and Union bullets in his coat. You've got to pick a side. Yeah, right. You can't go, well, I'll just kind of blend in here and be a chameleon, and I'll blend in here. Someone told me recently, and nothing to do with church, not even at church, not any church member, no one here I, It was at work, and they said, I'm just kind of a chameleon. I said, thanks for the heads up. I don't want to be around a chameleon. Right. I want to be around people who I know where they're at. I'd rather have someone cuss me out and give me the you-know-what and everything else and just at least I, rather than someone go, brother, I love you so much. Right? I'd rather know where you're at. It's a whole lot easier to deal. You know what God wants to know? He wants to know where you're at. It's a necessary question. Can I say this? Joshua, the man that comes after Moses, says, "Choose you this day, not tomorrow, not Monday, today." I'm not trying to pick on you. If you're not saved, you know what I want you to understand. God wants you to make a choice. Either receive Jesus Christ or reject him. Well, I don't want to make that choice. I, I, I'm good enough as a person. Yesterday, listening to these testimonies, I want to steal all the thunder, but, but uh, in so many words, a number of the people that were talking said this I knew who God was, I thought, and I talked to him sometimes, so I thought I was good. I didn't realize I wasn't saved. I never had been born again. The the Bible says, Jesus said, you must be born again, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. (laughs) And and, you know, Jesus said, you have to pick a side. Either you're going to accept me as your savior or you reject me. That's okay if you don't accept me. That's your choice. But choices, as we're going to see, have consequences with them. But it does not absolve you from not making a choice. I Understand, t- you, every choice you make, every time you say, I don't want to make that choice, you are making that choice. It's a necessary question. Secondly, it's a defining question. Look if you would at Exodus 19. Keep your hand there. It's a defining question. Exodus 19. Exodus 19, look at verse number 6. It's a defining question. Look what Moses says, or Moses repeating the words of God. Look what God says. Ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. You know, that's God talking to Moses. He's saying, I want you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Fast forward 13 chapters later. Question, are they acting like a holy nation? Do you know why? Because they, the choice they made, the response they had defined who they were in that moment. You need to understand, when it comes to being on God's side or not, that defines you. You know what doesn't define you? Your job, your hobby, your family. You go, well, that kind of does. Well, yeah, but it kind of doesn't. Ultimately, in eternity, you know what defines you? Whether or not you respond to this. Who's on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Can I say this? The Lord's not Switzerland. He's not neutral in everything. You know, there's some things God laughs at. God has a sense of humor. It may not be what you laugh at. I think a lot of things we laugh at, God doesn't think are real funny. And the things that God laughs at, we're like, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a nice, loving God would laugh at that. Psalm chapter 2. He shall have them in derision. He'll mock when their fear cometh. Right? I I didn't write that. He wrote that. He's going to laugh at some things. But we don't like that. You say, what is that? Our value system is off. The way we identify is off. When you you answer this question, am I on God's side, you you are defined. Listen, let God define you, not your past. Thank God. Yesterday, Nancy talked about her testimony. Thank God from the things that God has broken her free from. And if you're lost without Jesus Christ, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the, 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 the habits that have a grip on your life, the things that have kept you down for years, you can be free from all of that through Jesus Christ. That's a blessing. But, but, and that, that can define you as a child of God. But even after you're saved, you've got to make a choice today which side you're on. There's some people that years ago said, I'm on God's side, and they changed their mind. You got the free will to do that. You won't lose your salvation. But can I just remind you, God's not neutral in everything. He's not neutral on Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you understanding? God took a side there. He wasn't neutral with how Egypt treated Israel. He took a side. He said, I'm with Israel, I'm not with Egypt. He's not neutral with what's going on in the world today. And let me tell you right now, if you're trying to blend in, stop. Stop stop allowing yourself to be defined by the very place that God brought you out of. Jesus said, you're my friends. I'd like to have him as my friend. He says, now ye are clean. I want to be clean. By this shall all men know ye are my disciples. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. You see the idea of possession and identity in those phrases. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. When Israel was given a chance of who's on the Lord's side. By the way, by the way, you know how many people died that day? Several hundred thousand. I kind of see this as the last chance for those that were dancing around the calf to go, what was I doing? But for several hundred thousand to die, you know what that means? They didn't jump on the right side when given the chance. This is your chance. Young lady got saved Wednesday night and I just asked her, hey, do you want to do this now? I think so. Yeah? And I said, well, no pressure. You're not in a church that pressures people to make decisions. You... You make them or don't. It's up to you. But I said, can I give you some things to think about from the Bible? And thank God, you know, she said, I want to get saved now. Praise God for that. It's a defining question. How you respond to who is on the Lord's side defines how you live out so much of your life. Can Can I remind you of this? One time Peter is sitting by a fire and he's warming himself. And there's a girl that goes, you were with him. No, I wasn't. Another lady comes by. You were one of the, I, I, I know you, you, you talk like one of those, you just. You know a little a little, uh, 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 minute ago you're sitting there by the fire and someone says, man, it's cold, but this fire feels good. And you said, yeah, praise God. I mean, uh, and you let that one slip. You can tell you're one of those Christians. Yep. I'm not one of those. And he goes on to blankety, blank, blank, blank. I'm not with him. I'm with someone. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. Can I ask you this? Do you think he ever thought he'd get there? You know how you define Peter? Oftentimes, you go, the one that denied him. Whether it's fair or not, that's how we do it. Can I say this? If you walk out of here and reject Jesus Christ, you know how you'll be defined for eternity? The one that rejected the one that loved you enough to die for you. That's true. And if you're saved and you go, eh, whatever... I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. I'll keep living how I've been living. I'm not going to pick a side. I just, you know what? You just kind of just get me emotional at church and I just, the real life is out there. Oh, really? The real life is out there? You won't say that when you look in the eyes of Jesus Christ someday. Yeah. Yeah. You'll wish to God you had taken this seriously. Yeah. It, it, it's a defining thing because of this. Listen, Peter, when he's sitting there by that fire, you know what I think he didn't realize? He didn't realize one choice made a big decision, made a big difference. One choice defined everything. The Bible says after all the disciples were scattered, that Peter followed him afar off. You know what far following eventually leads to? Complete denial. How you answer this question defines you. It's a necessary question. It's a defining question. It ought to be a moving question. Look what Moses says here. Who's on the Lord's side? Verse 26. Let him what? Come unto me. Let him come. Exodus 32, sorry, I had you guys somewhere else. Exodus 32, verse 26. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. You know what that means? You have to move from your current position to get where God wants you to go. You can't stay where you're at you got to go, you know what? That's where I was at yesterday. But by the grace of God, if he draws a line and he wants me to forsake that or forsake that person or forsake that thing or forsake that ideology or forsake whatever it is that means so much to me that I've made an idol out of because I'm not living in light of his return, Lord, I'll get on the right side. I will leave where I'm at and I will move. Can I say this in closing? It's a consequential question. Look at verse 27. Look at verse 28. Now, I know some of you are like, well, I can't believe a loving God would allow that. See, you got it backwards. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't realize these are the people that would eventually be sacrificing their children to this God. They'd be slitting the child's throat and put him on an altar to offer a sacrifice to Moloch like they eventually did under Solomon's rule. See, what God was doing was preserving the holy nation by defining, if you're on my side, this is your chance. You know what I'm trying to get to. Choices have consequences. It's a consequential question. If you reject Jesus Christ, you'll bear the punishment forever. And I know that you go, "Oh, that's old-fashioned wrath of God, fire." You're those fire and brimstone guys. Well, I believe in the love of God, and I found that in the Bible. And I believe in the judgment and justice of God because I also found that in the Bible. Now, you don't have to be under the wrath of God if you don't want to be. You can accept what Jesus Christ did for you. You can make that choice today. Amen. Yes. And if you're saved, can I say this? God's drawing a line. There's some habits. There's some things. There's maybe some people you got to go, Lord, I can't move forward for you and stay where I'm at at the same time Lord would you help me to respond to this the right way who's on the Lord's side are you on God's side let's all stand every head bowed and every eye closed the altar's open if the Lord's spoken to your heart I pray you take advantage of it don't say tomorrow choose you this day who is on the Lord's side Whose side are you on? You go, I don't like the pressure. I don't like being put in that position. I understand. But I'm going to ask it again. Who is on the Lord's side? You might just need to come up and say, God, I want to be on your side, but I know what it's going to cost me, and it's hard. And honestly, Lord, I don't want to deal with it. But, Lord, I know it's the right thing. Would you give me the grace to be on your side? My family will reject me. My friends will mock me. People will think I'm a weirdo. But God, would you help me to be on your side? Lord, with, with my habits, with the things that, that matter so much to me, I want to be on your side. God, with, with my treasures, I want to be on your side. Lord, with my family, I want to be on your side. Lord, with my ambitions and my relationships, I want to be on your side. God, my value system. Lord, the, the fact that I can come to church and... And hear a song about what you did for me. It doesn't move me as much as watching a game does. God, I'm not on the right side right now. Lord, change me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to understand God did not bring the thunder first, He gave Him a chance. He said, Are you on my side or not? Free will. But you have to understand choices have consequences. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I I understand it's looking forward to baptismals here in a moment, those that are getting baptized. But if you're here today and you're not sure that you're saved, in other words, if you put your head on your pillow at night, you're not sure where you would spend eternity, and you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you're not sure that you are a child of God, you're not sure. That heaven's your home and God is your Father? Or, or worse yet, you, you go, you know what? I know I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone here that isn't saved, no one's looking around. Let's be private. Let's just give people some privacy. Between you and God, would you be able to slip up your hand and go, preacher? At least would you pray for me? I don't know if I'm saved. I'd like to be born again. Oh, I'm not going to drag you down here, it's between you and God. But if that's you, I pray you'd have enough courage just slip your hand up and go, preacher, pray for me. I want to be on God's side eternally. <laughs> Christian, God picks sides. <laughs> you want to be on His side. In the end, He wins. In the end, He's proven true. You know, it's kind of crazy, the world we live in. There were a lot of things said about the fact that we were all going to die two years ago and <laughs> all those things that kind of come out to be well not exactly true right you just keep that in mind keep that in mind i see that hand amen you know what you want to be on the right side of history on god's side if you're hearing you're lost and you've ever been saved and you raise your hand and go yeah i'd like to be saved i'm going to ask you one more question i got brother jose And there's this door right here, this white door on the side. And if that's you, if you'd be willing to meet Brother Jose over there, he'd love to open a Bible and show you how to be saved. You know, I don't want anyone to notice me. First off, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Secondly, if they did, you know what everybody in this room would do that is saved? We would rejoice with you that you want to get saved. We'd be happy for you. The offer stands. Who's on the Lord's side? If you're not saved, we invite you to come. Brother Jose will meet you right over here at this door. Take you to a private room and open the Word of God and show you how to be saved. The offer's there. I'm real glad for these that are getting baptized. And I do want to stress this. If you're here and you're not saved and you kind of were struggling with this idea of moving and doing anything about it, We're going to be here for a little bit after here, and there'll be lunch. We served. If you have questions about salvation, don't leave without getting that settled. All right. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have some songs. sung. If you have.